Welcome back to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and I've got three co-hosts here. Their names are... Carol. Matt. Mel. And a guest. Her name is... Nutty. Nutty Nuchas. <laughs> I almost sang it myself. <laughs> it's your theme song. I didn't song. have to. <laughs> you have your own theme song, whether you I want do. one or not. Yep. <laughs> so, folks, we're back with uh, an addendum episode because, well, we left something out of our series recap. We were supposed to read some fan fiction, but that fantastic trivia contest that everybody loved just went too long, and we ran out of time. <laughs> that, coupled with uh, some Skype issues, which are just the, like the thorn in my side, they, they plague this podcast. Uh, it made our recording run like nearly five hours, so we didn't get to the fan fiction, so that was a shame. So I thought, well, we'll take this opportunity to release a little bonus episode and also touch on the next phase of the podcast. Just to remind everybody what's going to happen, so this is kind of like a state of the podcast release. So wh- why don't we start by talking about um, the next phase? which we don't really have a title for. I was going to call it the HBO Project. I don't know. That sounds Hmm. a little highfalutin. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know if we even really need a name for it. But to recap what we're going to be doing, we're going to be covering the first episode of every HBO drama, both series and miniseries. And I'm counting a miniseries as anything that's more than two episodes. So we're going to exclude all the HBO movies and TV movies. We're going to record about two programs per recording, just to move through things faster. And the first two that we're going to be touching on are Philip Marlowe, Private Eye, and a program called Maximum Security. And I don't think anyone's ever heard of either of these. They're from the 80s, and they're super 80s, because I've watched a little bit about them. I can't them. wait. Um, yeah, you you posted something on the uh, Facebook page, and... Um, Philip Marlowe definitely looks very 80s. Super 80s, super noirish, based on the novels and short stories by Raymond Chandler. And the first episode is called The Pencil. And I don't really, let me see what I, let me find the, uh, the plot description for it. It stars our very own Powers Booth, Cy Tolliver himself. I know you said we're just doing dramas, but can we do the first episode of Kids in the Hall? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Did that start on HBO? Did it? I don't. It didn't start on HBO, but I think in America it aired on HBO, didn't it? Uh, I think it was Comedy Central. Yeah, I thought it was Comedy Central. Oh well, they they have something to do with the DVD releases then, because it always comes up with the HBO thing. Oh, okay. Or was it Mr. Show with Bob and David that was on HBO? Yeah, that aired on HBO. HBO oh. has aired a lot of. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. I got it, I got it uh, mixed up. It's A and E. Oh, wow. ah. so HBO so has aired a lot of like foreign foreign shows, like the L- the LEG show that was like a British show. No network HBO. You're oh, right. They moved. Remember because CBC was like, we don't like how vulgar you guys are, so they were like, let's move to HBO. Oh, <laughs> ah. so you have to get the first episode of when they moved to HBO. But I think <laughs> I think they were actually you no. Know, it aired on HBO and CBC though. Mm. That's what table said. that one. But <laughs> 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 it's kids in the hall, so it's worth it. Bonus episode. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. right. All right. We'll work it in somehow. 
<laughs> we, we were going to avoid the comedies just because there's there's so many there's so many yeah. there's so much stuff. The network's been around be a- for decades, so there's but, there's just a lot of stuff. But we could do dramas first, and if we decide that we're having so much fun, we want to keep going. That's true. We'll just do comedies as well. That's true. Yeah. I'd be a total newbie on all of that stuff. I have no idea what it even was about. I was watching an episode on of the Life and Times of Tim on YouTube because they're all on YouTube for some reason, and I was like, "This is so funny." I wish we were doing comedies <laughs> as part of this project. Mm. Well, you can always change your mind. Yep. Well, well, we will see. So the first episode <laughs> of Philip Marlowe is called The Pencil. And I will read the short description here. Marlowe is hired to protect a former mob accountant, Sal Vaccaro. The mob is gunning for him after he cooked the books and ran off with their money. Marlowe hides Vaccaro out in a hotel to evade the assassins with the help of his girl Friday, Annie Ridoran. But it soon becomes clear that Marlowe is being played. It's oh. it's super noirish with the, the music and the femme fatales and uh, the voiceover. So cool. I don't know if that's going to be entertaining or not it might be just mad boring i don't know i don't know i usually like noirs we'll see it'll be fun watching powers booth at any rate so that's a good one and then the next one that we're going to be covering is maximum security which is a prison drama no surprise produced by ron howard and that ran for seven episodes in 1984 man i can't wait so much 80s it's gonna be (laughs) super 80s and i found some articles about um, maximum security where they're like wow oh, they're really pushing the boundary here with the language and the partial nudity <laughs> like <laughs> that's going to be interesting because it's a precursor to Oz which is the prison drama on HBO that ran for six seasons and that was very hardcore and I watched a little bit of, from maximum security and it's pretty tepid interesting from, from our I, perspective I today. will say going through the 80s stuff so we didn't have cable growing up um on HBO, but my grandmother had it, so we taped all the movies. So there's this classic HBO title card that we would see before any of the movies on those VHS tapes. I kind of miss it. So you guys are going to get to see that that classic HBO title card. Yeah, with I the kid I watching did. TV. Is that the one that yeah. goes da na 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 na? Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Good times. When 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 the new HBO comes on, I'm like, nice, but it's not the same. Yeah, <laughs> should bring it back. They should have like a retro day. Yeah, like, where all their programming is like advertised in the in the old '80s style. Because I posted on the Facebook group, as Carol said, there's a little promo of Philip Marlowe. Not the episode we're gonna watch, but a different one uh, where Powers Booth like falls down a hill like r- ridiculously, mm-hmm. and then there's all yeah. these other promos in this like after that one and it's all very um this is what the network used to look like with all their advertisements and stuff yeah (laughs) and some of them were like oh i remember shields and yarnell i hadn't thought about them in decades but i remember them but i remember them as being better than what the promo looked like (laughs) i've only seen them on the muppet show (laughs) it's true (laughs) yeah um i never had hbo still don't have HBO. Um, the only time I would have access to HBO is when we would go to a really fancy hotel um, on vacation or something. And so if if I didn't see it like on DVD years later, I haven't seen it. So I haven't seen a lot of this stuff. 
I'm surprised how often I hear people say, "Oh, I haven't seen this show because I didn't. I don't have HBO when it is available on home video." Right. And, you know, so that's strange. Right. Go to the library and get the DVD set and watch it one weekend. Like, yeah. And the thing is, it's like the Sopranos, for instance. I I never did see it. It just was one of those things I have not gotten around to. It's not that I don't have the opportunity the last many, many years. I just haven't gotten around to it. And uh, whereas Rome, I did see the entire thing. Because, I don't know, that was one I got the DVDs for and watched. But um, and it was very good. Also, but, frequently, uh, um, yeah. these shows are available in box sets. Uh, right. And you'll often see online, um, you know, Six Feet Under, grab the entire series for 40 bucks today. Gold box We're, special on Amazon. So I'm, it always surprises yeah. me when these great shows that are part of the pop culture, you know, sphere. Yeah, like but no one, like. I, I really don't want to have a box set of something that it turns out I'm not all thrilled about or I only want to watch once. Even if everybody hyped it like crazy, it might not be something that I really want to have to find a place for. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's worth having like friends around that <laughs> have mm-hmm. those yeah. shows and they're willing to lend it to you for yeah. a certain time. Because that's how we watch The Sopranos. Like somebody had the DVDs, they lent it to us, and we watched, well, part of it, not the whole series, but. I think I watched Rome because it was on Netflix. So. Um, it would probably be, well, yeah, the DVDs would be available through Netflix. Right. And but... it was when I was still getting DVDs from ah, Netflix. Okay. I don't See. I don't have that anymore, but. I was getting DVDs from Netflix and I watched a bunch of different series that way. But, you know, there's, you can be watching a bunch of different series and still not get to all of them. <laughs> right. And fortunately, a lot of the older programming is on Amazon Prime now. So if you're an Amazon Prime member of the United States, yeah. you can watch a lot of HBO's back catalog. And right. I'm sure that's yeah. how Carol's going to get a lot of, a lot of these. And for those, I, I'm how. trying to, I'm trying to get all of these <laughs> off DVD and, and put them in a format where you guys can watch them. So I will be sending them to you. Yeah, I do have Amazon Prime, so that uh, – and I know there is a lot available there. There's not a whole lot available on Netflix anymore as far as streaming goes. But uh, Right. And now yeah. there's a HBO Prime. Uh, so HBO Go? HBO Now, rather. It's called HBO Now. Oh, I thought it was HBO Go. HBO Go is if you have an HBO subscription through your cable provider, it's available at no additional cost, and Uh, you can watch HBO Go. HBO Go is the only thing that's technically available in Canada. HBO Now is not in Canada yet, so that's that's all that they have for streaming in Canada. And HBO Now is you don't have to have an HBO subscription through a cable yeah. provider, you just have a subscription to that streaming service. Okay. And it's available on a couple devices. I don't know if it's available on the PS4 yet or the Xbox One. or mm. uh, I think at one point it was only available through Apple TV, but of course that could all have changed. But uh, hopefully folks will be able to watch some of these programs with us. I will tell you that the first two that we're going to be covering, again, Philip Marlowe and Maximum Security, I will put links to those on the Facebook group because these are not available anywhere but online already. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Philip Marlowe I found on YouTube and 
Maximum Security. I had to get a VHS copy of that and oh then transfer God. that to a uh, digital copy, and I put that online. You're- That's insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the quality is not great for these first two. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, and, oh, and expected almost. It'll it add to the authenticity. <laughs> and yeah. Maximum Security, uh, it was... Seven episodes, but for the VHS release, they took those seven episodes. Uh, I think they're like 30 minutes, actually. Um, and they combined them into like a TV movie when they released it. So the whole thing is like two hours long. You don't have to watch the entire two hours. We only said the first hour of anything. So you can stop after an hour if you want to. I'm not going to hold it against you. If you find it extremely boring and stupid, you don't have to watch the entire thing. I will watch the entire thing. You guys don't have to. <laughs> All right. We'll see. If anyone's interested in being a guest on any of these programs that we're going to cover or they want to see the list of shows, please go on to the Facebook group. That's where I will announce when we're going to record and offer open up for guests. And the first person who says, I want to be a guest on that recording, uh, that's yours then. That's your spot. But if we have to change the recording date, we're not going to accommodate your schedule as a guest. I'm very sorry, but... We're making this very informal and loose and not going to get hung up on trying to accommodate a fifth person. Yeah, screw you guys. So, but we, We'd love to have you, and but we can't work around your schedules because we're trying to make it very easy on ourselves. But, uh, so go on the Facebook group if you want to you, you see the schedule and become a guest and all that other stuff. And, you know, I'm sorry if you don't like Facebook, but... That's how we do things in our little podcasting community. Very excited to uh, start this. People, people are really excited. I've, yeah. I'm surprised by the reactions. They're like, "Oh, we can't wait for that. That sounds really fun." So we'll Nobody's see how it goes. Nobody's done this before, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it does sound. It sounds fun to me. I mean, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. So let's uh, move on to the fan fiction. I'm going to put the link into the Skype. I've made it easy on ourselves by uh, giving a paragraph to each person. <laughs> so where did you find these? What's the uh, background? I just searched for Deadwood fanfiction and found this first story called Undeadwood. And the author is Moon Kostoffer. And it's published right. in October 2009. And then Moon Kostoffer also wrote the second one that we're going to read called Postmortem Exam. Published that one in December 2010. I see. Uh, I actually think these are pretty entertaining, and we're not going to be reading them in an ironic way, the way that Intro to X reads their fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate fine fanfiction here. Yes, we do. <laughs> I have my glass yes. of wine ready. Oh, nice. Look, when 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 so your show was canceled way too early and didn't go on forever beating a dead horse, you appreciate fan fiction because it gives you more content. It's true. I see that two of you have logged in. Uh, there's an anonymous penguin and an anonymous chameleon. I'm guessing Carol is waiting to, uh, Lo- to logged in. Out. I'm the penguin. Wait a minute. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am trying to figure out what it is what we're, that we're doing. There's a link in the Skype that's going to take you to the... Where it says Undeadwood Postmortem Exam? Yes. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure whether that was something left over from last time. Oh, Jesus. Ah. (laughs) The heck? 
I'll try and take out some of those, but I'm also moving on to my as little editing as possible phase. <laughs> <laughs> I got really I think every podcaster gets to editing, a so. Yeah. I think every yeah. podcaster gets to a point where they're like, okay. I'm not going to edit anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm there. I'll have to edit some, but I'm going to edit as little as possible. Okay. Plus, I, I'm not anticipating our coverage of these pilots and premieres to to be as in-depth and long as, <laughs> as our Deadwood conversations. It's yeah. going to be... Yeah, going to be less to dig into. I'm not going to do the research that I did. We're not going to do in-depth plot summaries. We do welcome feedback. Yeah, no readers theater. We welcome feedback though, so please send in feedback for those. Um, Okay. Sounds good. Format up a little bit. So sounds good. Hoping that there'll be shorter recordings overall. Carol, are you able to find the link? Yep, I've been ready. Oh, doesn't show that you've logged in. She's um, super sneaky that way. Wow. I don't know why. She might just be viewing it, not editing. Because she's I on probably am. I probably am just viewing. Well, uh, this this first bit of fanfiction is called Undeadwood. And Carol, why don't you start us off? You betcha. As usual, several emotions were at war in A.W. Merrick's capacious bosom. <laughs> in this in this instance, there was fear of the groaning mob of walking dead at his office door. Wonder and elation at witnessing what surely could only be a true supernatural phenomenon, and blackest despair at the knowledge that even if he did live to compose and prove the story, no one would believe a word of it. Wielding her broom, Jewel swatted at the monster until Dan snatched her up and carried her still kicking, a safish distance back. Dolly bit into the thumb of the dead hand clapped across her mouth, throwing the horror attached to it into the paroxysm, sorry, paroxysms of shrieking. No sooner had the shambling thing loosened its grip on the fat girl than Al clocked it across its exposed jawbone, its exposed jawbone with the stock of the shotgun he carried. It staggered against the bar, and he reversed the gun and blew the creature's putrid head apart. Now kneeling under the table, Dolly spat out the corpse thumb, her <laughs> eyes wide in horror. Al looked down at her with a wry expression. Good on you, but I'm going to have second thoughts about ever putting anything of mine in your mouth again. <laughs> Triumphantly, Richardson held up the antler, now stained with the blood of one of the undead things. It protected my loved ones, he gasped to Aunt Lou as she bundled him out of the Grand Central Hotel's back door. E.B. hurriedly brought up the rear, his palms even damper than usual. (laughs) That the stress of fighting this new plague would, of a certainty, fuck over his already dying lungs was merely the last, latest installment, Doc thought, on a price he had long ago agreed to pay. It had come down as a downright relief when he'd realized he was awake. These walking corpses appeared to go against the natural order. Certainly they were beyond anything in his own learning and experience. Yet any nightmare that dwelt outside his own head, he felt, was one he could deal with. Saul Starr, as Trixie had once said, was a born householder. 
The mayor kept his quarters as neat as a pin and clean, so it was that the stench of decay, which might have gone unnoticed in less savory parts of the camp, was alarmingly evident as it wafted up the newly built wooden stairs to the bedroom he secretly shared with the house next door. Don't be a damn fool, gasped Cri gasped Trixie, when the source of the smell was discovered, shambling up said stairs toward the door Saul was trying to block. They'll go out of my way. If there's anyone in camp yet who doesn't know about us, their brains are too rotten for those things to eat anyway, more's the pity. Though it do seem a shame to put new furnishings in harm's way, grunted Saul as he pushed a washstand ordered from a catalog two months prior across the bolted door. We still need to slow them down to make good our escape. Must congratulate Al on his foresight if we live through this. Trixie helped him pile the bedstead against the washstand before dragging him by the hand through the wall, down through the far more slovenly house that adjoined his, and towards the familiarity, if not actual safety, of the gem saloon. Almost the small pool of light from the lamp was paler even than usual, and her embrace Sophia tighter. Martha sat beside her, back very straight but with one hand on the little girl's shoulder, as if to join the other woman in protecting her. Seth paced the room, stopping every other turn to draw a discreet crack in the curtains and look out into the street. From time to time, his hand went to his gun belt. When the hammering started at the front door, he drew the weapon and edged towards the small side window. Hey, are you all dead in there? Because I'm just going to have to kill you again if you are. And if you ain't, then fucking let me in. Seth stopped, lowered his hand. Unless the powers of the walking dead extended to parlor imitations, Alma said, her voice quavering a little with relief. I believe that would be Jane. <laughs> Although his face betrayed nothing to his minions, Mr. Wu had several fears as regards to his plan. He feared the pigs might not yet be sufficiently hungry after the last two cocksuckers Swedgen had sent him only a couple of days before. <laughs> He was worried pigs might not have a taste for ghosts. Still, he could see no other way to deal with the problem. At his signal, a minion heaved open the gate that led from the sty, and three more began herding the pigs, not, as usual, towards Mr. Wu's slaughterhouse, but to the main street of Deadwood. The swine grunted and squealed in confused protest until the lead sow recognized the smell of their favorite food, perhaps a little gamier than usual, <laughs> And the herd was off. Miss, Mr. Wu permitted himself to relax slightly and began considering the next problem, since the camp was no longer doomed. How hard was it going to be to recapture his livestock? Swidgen, he decided, was going to owe him some assistance in that matter. The end. Yay, we saved the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, this was so much fun. I like this one. <laughs> uh, it was. It was. <laughs> Are they Very both fitting. dead crossovers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my this is god. By Moon Custopher? Moon, Cust yeah. Moon Custopher or Moon Custopher? I don't know how you pronounce huh. that or what it means. Okay. And yeah. then we got a little sequel story here a year later. Ah, post mortem exam. It had not been Doc's intention to spend his last moments crouching behind a hitching post and gaping like a damn fool at the walking dead, but of curiosity and self-preservation, the former instinct had always held sway over his actions. He had realized his mistake soon upon leaving the shelter of his surgery, as the chill air had struck hard at his enfeebled lungs, spurring a storm of coughing that bent him double. So much for moving quietly, so much for moving quickly. 
He wondered if the corpses could smell the blood gurgling in his lungs. True, the sensory organs were swift to decay upon dissolution, but so too the powers of locomotion were supposed to cease at death, and yet these hulks walked, albeit with the lurching gait of paralytics or, or inebriates. He huddled in an alley betwixt two lean-tos, gathering his own small store of strength as the fit passed, and then trotted onward cautiously. Sounds of a row up ahead warned him to stop and peer around the next corner. The dead were walking there in the thoroughfare, some decayed to the bone, some fresh enough to deceive a less experienced eye, at least in the gl gloaming. Glo yeah. Gloaming? Yeah, gloaming. gloaming. The livid skin and cloudy eye showed, the showed their true state, where the lamplight from the, gem's from the gem's windows touched. Had they come a distance? Doc recognized few of them, and none he had dissected post-mortem. Perhaps removal... Perhaps removal of the brain had spared his former patients this blasphemous resurrection. He prayed to the, he prayed to his characteristically silent God that the Reverend Smith was not among the shambling hordes. <laughs> they should worry. Oh, more. that would have been horrible. They they should worry more about uh, um, Bill. Uh, oh, Wild Bill. Bill? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, what about uh, little uh, what's his name William? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that's awful. William, uh, zombie. I, zombie William. I, yeah. Then his lungs betrayed him again. With a matched precision at odds with their ramshackle anatomies, the lifeless heads all snapped around to face him, some breaking their neck tendons to do so. Bile Ew. tainted the back of his throat as they rushed him. Cochrane woke as from a nightmare, but with the familiar death smell all around him, and so cold and stiff, he thought himself for a moment to be dead as those things until it came to him that the throbbing in his skull was surely a sign of continued life nonetheless he checked his pulse to make sure before struggling to his feet and eyeing his surroundings his captors must have dragged him to the shed in another part of deadwood but so shifting and uncertain were the outlines of the camp with tents and buildings spurring up nightly he was unable to guess his present location the thin sunbeams that slid in between the ill-fitted timbers suggested he had been unconscious for about eight or ten hours he tried peering out through one of the larger cracks his prison had no windows as such the light hurt his eyes and no familiar landmark rewarded their gaze the walls and doors though poorly constructed were well beyond the strength of a middle-aged man with a bad set of lungs and there was nothing in the structure that he could cut or pry it seemed to be a pantry rather than a toolshed. he hoped he was not being stored as victuals <laughs> <laughs> with nothing to do for the present but wait he rummaged for something that could be eaten raw and was making a breakfast of sorts off a couple of carrots when he heard shuffling outside he guessed it was one of the dead for a long dread time passed during which he could hear it pawing at the latch in mad hope of taking it by surprise he stepped to one side of the doorway at last the door swung and doc's heart sank Though the daylight half-blinded him, it was evident the creatures were grouped en masse about the shed. There would be no breaking through that crowd. The corpse, who had lifted the latch, it might have been a gold miner in life from the clothing, stood grunting before him. He thought he heard a tone of command, then a plea, and the awful sounds, but not a word could he make out. Stop it! Stop it! He covered his ears against the death rattle. What the hell do you want from me? 
The milky eyes rested on him for a moment. Then the Hulk turned to its companions. It caught one by the arm and shoved it towards the doctor. This corpse was that of a younger man, but clad in work clothes as the first had been. It, it thrust a severed half-skeletonized hand at him, then raising its arm, showed him its empty sleeve. Cochrane looked around at the rotting, broken crowd, and a tide of horror, not unmixed with pity, came over his sick heart as he understood what it was that they had wanted. Something black was being passed from dead limb to dead limb towards him, his bag, and when it dropped at his feet, he sighed wearily and opened it. A gurgling cheer that nearly sent him mad went up. One of the dead laboriously kicked a chair towards him. The doc's shaking hands could scarcely hold the needle. His swimming eyes hardly his swimming eyes hardly see the blue cotton thread, but at last he motioned to the first of his new patients and began to sew. <laughs> so this wow. is his fate. He now has to repair all the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I like Aw. Imagine the the thread just kind of falling through i mean the flesh is falling through the thread i mean probably he would probably need to sew up the clothes that are holding the flesh the The clothes clothes. holding like piles of milking flesh yeah (laughs) (laughs) bags of goo yeah they need a seamstress not a doctor Mm. but it saved his life so alma alma can sew right um well yeah i guess probably I mean that would be would have been part of her training. Trixie probably could sew. I don't know that that. But you pretty um, much everybody could sew. Jewel couldn't hold the needle mm. still. I bet you even the guys could probably sew anyways. I I wouldn't be surprised if Alma couldn't sew like to make a dress, but she could do like needlework, mm-hmm. like embroidering or whatever. Yeah, she could do fancy work, but I doubt that she could actually put a garment together necessarily mm. depending on how wealthy your father had been at one point that's it that's it <laughs> <laughs> i was expecting like way more than that <laughs> why were they all uh zombie related <laughs> you just I uh, well, because that's it, what i found they were I'm both by the same person right i'm disappointed at the lack of dirty fanfic you provided to us <laughs> Yeah, I was I was expecting some Salma going on, and I don't know. Let let let's get Al with with like Seth or something. I mean, something really <laughs> out there. Oh, I was supposed to find a uh, like rated NC seventeen fanfic. Uh, what? Well, That's you usually been snuggling. I don't know. Whatever. No one wrote it. Yeah. <gasps> They're all like rated T for teen. <laughs> I, I, I disbelieve on fanfiction.net. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm googling I, yeah. Deadwood slash fan fiction. I was gonna say, I do know I hear I'm gonna find something. going? <laughs> oh, well, there's a whole live journal. DW slash. Go for there it. There you go. If you can find it. Ah, ah, right, go let's find it. something not. Uh, let's see. Al Swearingen, Seth Bullock, Al oh Jack Langreach implied. Uh, how, how long is this thing? Let's see. Oh, it's not too bad. It's gonna take a while. <clears throat> Are we ready? You gonna post it in the thing? Oh, I, I was just gonna read it. But oh. Okay, <laughs> hang on. I want to read along with you. You're you are you're also kind of like uh, staticky and so forth. Am I? Yeah. Doesn't sound like it here. I'm hoping that it won't once we once I play the recording back. Am I okay. breaking up again? Well, if you need if you need, oh. I have my recording as well. All right. So, Fandom Deadwood pairing elsewhere in Jin Seth Bullock, Al and Jacqueline Grish is implied. NC-17, for bad language, 
male-on-male sex, power exchange, non-con, armchair, psychology implied. I don't know what any oh. of, I know what some of those things mean, but not what other. Yeah. Well, mean. the the non con is non-con. going to be non consensual, so oh. just if, if you don't like hearing that, all right. Uh, I own nothing, make nothing, nothing to look at here. Spoilers info about rather truncated ending series. Some notions pull from Meredith's character in Forty Four in Chest. I'm assuming it's another fan. Sounds like another fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Damage, which does not end the world, part one. I may just stop halfway through. Just this will give us an idea, yes. or or just tap out, and we'll, we'll. Yeah, I think we have to read the entire thing now. <laughs> we can't leave the audience <laughs> Why <are you> hanging. <laughs> Why are you still here, Bullock? Why ain't you home with the missus? Hmm? Bullock tapped his glass on the bar. I want to see that cocksucker and his toadies ride out myself before I sit down tonight. Got a problem? Outside for myself, I don't care. But I got weepy whores, a minion less than stable, and I'd soon as not spend the night watching for you to get twitchy over something can't be changed. And I wouldn't mind what paying customers might still be around, not put off by a jumpy sheriff. Carol, can you have you mute yourself? (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. I don't know. It should look like a little microphone. It's blue. I know how to mute. Okay. (laughs) I mute all the time. (laughs) All right. I think we're good. (laughs) Bullock bit the inside of his cheek and turned towards Al. A bit of whiskey sloshing over the rim of the glass. He wasn't sure exactly how or why, but that dark place inside him was urging him towards a combative turn of mind best kept where... Best kept here in the gem. His complicity in Jen's death made him feel unfit to cross Martha's threshold tonight. His powerlessness to steer things, a righteous outcome, left him angry and afraid. No sense of place left to him. Your paying customers can... Your paying customers... The quotation marks don't make sense. Sorry. Your paying customers can... Al talked over his challenge. Come up out on the balcony, Sheriff. We can catch the tail end of the sight of those bastards leaving camp better from that fucking vantage. Do us both good to get away from the mournful for a while, eh? So I think they're watching um, her leave. That's what it sounds like. This sounds like yeah. what happens after the credits roll. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> Bullock looked at Al for an accompanying cynical sneer, but Swearingen looked weary and somewhat diminished. The sheriff raised an eyebrow. Bottle? That got an eye roll, at least. Yeah, Bullock, bottle, couple of bottles. If you like, Davy. Al gestured from the bottles on the back of the bar to the sheriff as he turned towards the stairs. The camp's lights blazed in the dark as Hearst wagons moved out. Okay, that answered our question. Mm-hmm. The rich man cocked an eye just briefly at the wind, just briefly at the balcony. Corner of his mouth turned up as he rode away. Neither Al nor Bullock knew for certain how visible they were leaning on the railing in the corner, away from the light. Both felt Hurst had seen them clear as day, took their final measure, found them small, weak. Bastards calling us cunts and worse in his mind, as I suppose he's right to seeing he's fucked us into going against... Ah, why the hell am I (laughs) Failure of duty and not doing right to you. Voice getting louder. Bullock turned to face Al as he choked back his frustration. 
hoping that anger would push the helplessness, the helpless feeling away, glaring, eyes shining. Al looked down at his hands and then looked ahead past the hotel, past the camp, and into the hills. Who are you, Bullock? Besides the frequent pain in my balls, as a human being, and a human beast, we hurt when others beat us down and fuck us over. Amongst the myriad of other fucking ways, cocksuckers find to hurt us. Love Al. Yeah. <laughs> he absently rubbed the stump on his left hand and then passed the bottle with his right. But as I was telling a whore the other night, when you get fucked because someone bigger, stronger motherfucker is holding you from behind, holding you down and not giving you any chance to help yourself, it's not your fault. You just got to take it, shove it into the back, and learn a way to live with it. Whiskey, pussy, profit being excellent tools for that fucking task. He turned his back to the hills, to the camp, and looked at nothing. Sorry, I have Bullock to... Found him. Go ahead. It, looks, it really does sound like he's priming himself to fuck Seth. He's like, he is! And it seems like he's been raped. Which is not a laughing matter, but doesn't that sound like that? Yeah, he's totally like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm just like trying to use these words to like put this in his mind that I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I'm gonna do this, and you're just gonna deal with it, just like my whores do. Yeah. It's not my whore now. So we're getting really <laughs> uncomfortable here. <laughs> <laughs> Bullock found himself in front of Swergen's face, starting to shake a bit with the effort of conveying to the low-life murdering, whoremongering saloon keeper how different they were. How nothing in the thieving soulless prick's brain equipped him to understand Bullock's dark feelings of failure. He drank deep from the bottle and swallowed the burn as he gathered himself. I know this is foreign to you, but I am a lawman in my, in my fucking soul. <laughs> when I tried to leave it off, it took no time at all to pick that fucking badge right up again. I do the right thing. You understand me? I do right by my brother. I do right by my brother's widow. I do right by my brother's boy. I do right by Mrs. Gar Ellsworth. His vision was blurred by either whiskey or eyes watery with rage. I do right by every goddamn body and it never fucking works out. My father might have called me sloth. <laughs> But by God, I've spent my whole goddamn life trying to make up for it. I do the right thing, and I try so fucking hard. He took another pull off the bottle. And I know you don't have any goddamn idea what I'm talking about. He turned his back now to the camp, and he stared blankly into Swearingen's office. Oh, boy. Al <laughs> <laughs> looked at him from the corner of his eye inside. You have no fucking understanding of how easy it is to be made unable to control things do you you really think failure on your part is a weakness of character or some other self-fucking-righteous fatal fucking flaw huh <laughs> in, in, in true deadwood form there's a lot of dialogue yeah i know it's great and it's all like circling the drain yeah <laughs> He took Bullock by the arm and guided him into his office, turning to face the young man, Al's eyes going back and hard. God, it must be hard to be trying to direct us lesser mortals from your high fucking pedestal and seeing your failure everywhere you look, even if your eyes are the only ones seeing it. Bullock started to sweat. Jesus, the cocksucker was getting close to something. Bullock sus suspected he would be a dreadful truth. Sorry, Bullock su suspected would be a dreadful truth. 
Al took a pull from the bottle and got close to his face, forcing him to fall back a step and taunted him in a low growl that seemed to get louder with every step. You're a fraud. Ain't that right, sloth? Deep down, you think your pride, your fucking arrogance, you let you make promises you were just too fucking weak to keep. Hmm? Bullock took another step backward to gain some distance in the room and in his head, but Al advanced with him. The hectoring continued, although a more sober man would have seen some warmth of understanding coming to the older man's eyes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Can it be at your age and position, you still have not learned that you are not as omnipotent as you'd like to think. Is it possible for you to be that fucking self-deceiving? Bullock's head was spinning. I should have... Shut the fuck up, Bullock. Lower now. Sorry. Shut the fuck up, Bullock. Lower now, barely audible. Your fucking pride is killing you, like swallowing live dynamite. And I fear the resultant explosion will destroy more than you would have seen harmed had you been in your right fucking mind when that fucking plate was passed. Bullock had a moment of clarity, enough to note the bottle once in his hand now on the bedside table, his coat hat on the other chair nearby. Readying to leap, he thought, off a cliff, into hell, into a cooling stream. He wasn't sure what or where. Only the readying felt only the readying felt a certainty. Al's voice was still low and gruff, but sober. The tone he used with hurt and horrors, who must have made the whole serve his purpose in their own. I can help you, Bullock. Will you let me help you? Or will you ask that I let you go to hell like your hero friend did? and allow you to leave misery as your fucking legacy to your family, your friends, this camp. All right, it looks like there's a break. Somebody else take over. <laughs> all right, I'll take over. Are you okay. sure you wouldn't rather read part two? That's where all the fucking is. Oh, dude. I'm looking, no a- I'm looking ahead. <laughs> oh, should I like? Should I wait? You want to wait for the... <laughs> Matt, should you I take wait? over. You can take Matt, over. Take over. Read this part. <laughs> I'd rather, rather, rather Mel I'll read that part. <laughs> Al drank a short pull from the bottle, put it back, and ran his good right hand over the inner pocket of Sheriff's discarded coat, feeling for steel, and waited for a response. He ran his thumb over the hard edges he found, waiting. He felt energy coming from the steel, that, from the steel, the night, the Sorry, is the steel, like, a, like, a word, another word for boner? Like, steel? Steel is another word for gun. He thought so. He thought scrubbing the last blood stain had done for the last of his strength. Second wind, he supposed, smiling a bit. Who know? Who knew he had it in him at his age? Jack, he thought. Jack would know and be unsurprised. He heard the bed spring squeak. <laughs> Cocksucker's making himself comfortable. <laughs> he turned from the coat and looked at Bullock sitting on the edge of the bed. Bullock ran a hand through his hair, took another long pull from the bottle, wiped his mouth and looked up at Al, then down. I do not like the way I'm feeling right now. That's a surety. But I have to say, I don't have the slightest goddamn idea what you're talking about. I know you don't, Bullock. The rumble rumble was closer to his ear than he had remembered. You don't have to. Is this the part I should read? There's a whole other thing. We may not get to it. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to read from here on out. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yeah. I think I should go, Bullock said. Yet made no move to get up. <laughs> it was dangerous here, under the surface of their uneasy al- alliance, 
they had accomplished some good things together, but his mind's eye could see Swearingen turning on him with a taunting. What did you think was going to happen? Did you not know what I was? Just before the knife slid in, if it furthered the bastard's purpose. Just another minute for his head to clear and his spine to straighten. Wish that metallic jangling would stop. I, I think I should go, Bullock repeated. Yeah? That's funny. Because I'm thinking you need another fucking 2 by 4 again, fucking mule that you are. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Al's really horrible here. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Al's mouth curled into a snarl, black eyebrows drawn together as he twisted the younger man's right wrist into the sheriff's own handcuff. Whoa. Snapping the ends together. One knee on the bed gave Al the leverage he needed to jerk the cuffs up between the metal posts of his headboard and down towards Bullock's left wrist. Bullock had thought he was stronger, but as he tried to pull his cuffed hand away and hold Swearingen off with his left, he could feel his body twisting until he was on his knees, trying desperately to keep his balance on the swaying mattress. I'm just picturing it's a hammock or something. Swaying mattress? Like what? <laughs> as he felt sex, a- sex swing. <laughs> As he felt a hard knee touch his balls, oh boy. <laughs> but what did he just like lightly tap his balls, or did he like touch his balls? Like, I think he just got them. that much closer, and and, and okay. it's brushing up against. Okay, all right. As he felt a hard knee touch his balls, he panicked and tried to shove the knee away f- with his free hand. That hand was twisted and caught in hard steel as well. He whipped his head around in disbelief as he heard a chuckle behind him. Your problem, Bullock, not suggesting you have the one. Just the one, mind. But the problem you... Fucking you up at this particular moment is that you never learned much about fighting dirty, did you? Al got off the bed and walked to his desk, pouring himself one measured shot of the better whiskey kept in his drawer, then walked back to Bullock, who, by now was glaring at his own handcuffs tight around his wrists. I do hope your keen professionalism means that I'll find some keys in that coat. Time comes for that. Bullock's rage burned off some of his alcohol fog. You son of a bitch, he gritted. You get over here and get these off of me, or I will tear this bed apart and beat you to death with the pieces! (laughs) Al leaned against the nightstand, examining his shot of whiskey against the lantern's glow. You know, Sheriff... You being the stronger, strong young buck you are, (laughs) you might be able to do that. Not the way I'd bet personally, of course, but I'd be a fool to rule it out as a possibility. He turned the glass a bit, as if grating the color, still not looking at Bullock. Finally, he set the shot glass down and looked the younger man in the eye. I do know this, though. You won't be able to do it quiet. (laughs) Al put on his open, friendly face, the one that got suckers to trust his scales. Shall I step back, give you some room to jerk and pound away? Oh, and feel free to express your feelings in whatever loud and most profane manner you'd like. As he bent near Bullock's ear, knowing the first ones likely to hear will be Dan and Adams. He straightened and continued conversationally. I expect the whores will hear next and be curious about the racket. Then, tapping his upper lip as if in deep ta- thought, I'm seeing Merrick being the last to hear something is amiss, running in with his notebook at the ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He turned an innocent, quizzical face towards Bullock. You reckon he carries that damn thing wherever he goes? And drowned his shot of the good whiskey, smacking his lips. 
Ah, decent whiskey is worth every penny once you get the taste of it. Bullock's head was down, back starting to bow. His, his handcuffs had slid down to where the headboard met the bed. So tired, a pillow, stained with sweat and Swearingen's hair oil. Ew. It's right under his face. Fucker was trying to show off, show Bullock what a devious cocksucker he was, that he still had power, even if not all ten fingers. Reason flickered in his head. The man ran whores after all. When his prick worked white, <laughs> when his prick worked right and wasn't at death's door, he was known for fucking Trixie so hard. Her snatch hurt for days. To hear the whores whisper, the last day he fucked Trixie. He was fucking Dolly by that night. <laughs> Whatever son of a bitch Swearingen was, he wasn't fucking queer. Bullock just had to be reasonable. Okay, Al, he sighed. You've had your fun. You win. You are whatever fucking conquering cocksucker you think you have to be tonight. Now get the keys from my coat. Unlock these. And air rushed out of his lungs as Al fell on him hard around the cuffed man's throat. In a wild glance back, he could see Killer Al, the frightful mug Danner Johnny would have recognized instantly as a prelude to suddenly deadly violence. Fun! Fun! If you think this is fun, Bullock, I'll strangle you where you lay and call both your women to find you. This, fucknut, is a fucking lesson. (laughs) The weight left Bullock's back as Al got up. The restrained man took a deep breath, then froze as he heard the rustling sounds of Swearingen taking his ratty old jacket off. The smell of old sweat (laughs) became stronger from the bedclothes, overlaying a sour sour mustache. Ew, a sour musk of old spunk and a faint, very faint tang of a scent he could only identify as whore. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a name of a, of a perfume. Whore. That faint, that faint tang. Whore by Calvin Klein. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> Ew. He looked at the older man after he heard the quiet thud of empty boots hit the floor. Oh, why'd he take his boots off? (laughs) First one, then the other. It's just going to add to the smell. Uh, First one, then the other, faint snap of suspenders as the pants were pulled off. He tried to look up to the eyes to see if they were murderous or mocking or, God forbid, lustful. His exploring gaze got no further than the outline of Swearingen's swelling prick under his long johns. Ew. He said he was going to help me, he thought, as his breath caught in his chest. He forced him to keep himself from raising enough hell to bring half the town running, pushed down the overwhelming urge to fight, flee, or bellow. He could feel tears beginning to leak out behind clenched eyelids. He said he was going to help me. In his fear and anger, he was unable to recognize the feelings of betrayal that clenched his gut. Gross. (laughs) I'll begin on button... (laughs) Unbuttoning the buttons in the back of Bullock's shirt, Bullock tried a clumsy backwards headbutt off the mark and easily dodged. Al bunched the shirt's fabric around the handcuffs. Sweat was giving an oily sheen to Bullock's back. Ew! (laughs) Echoing an ominous statement made recently to him, Al said, I'd suggest you drink that, as he held a refilled glass to Bullock's mouth. Smart, he thought, as Bullock dipped his mouth towards the glass that Al poured. Smarter than I was. Ooh. Bullock knew what some men did together. Ass-fucking, like you use a woman. Sodomy, sodomite, 
<laughs> men sneering at two men caught together. Which one are you, the woman? Before violence started. Folk figuring the strong, fuck the weak. Jack McCall, beat to a pulp, and certain to die, sneering, asking him if he missed Wild Dick- Bill's dick in his ass. How that had enraged him. Oh, man. <laughs> this is <laughs> terrible. He heard rustling, <laughs> drawers opening and closing, as his head spun, little pieces of his soul breaking off, as he thought, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Then, I can't take this, I can't take this, I can't take this. He started to jerk on the cuffs, making the headboard knock against the wall with an audible swear engine's warnings about witnesses to his shame flooded back, and he slumped against into the pillow again. He could feel all the fight in him slipping away. He rallied enough to groan, I will kill you, you filthy, raping, cocksucker queer, then closed his eyes. Everybody says that, but how rarely their threats in that respect come true. Being as I already, how I already watch my back around you, I can't see how that dissuade me now, Al said in a light casual t- tone as he reached around and under, started unfastening Bullock's pants. The end? <laughs> <laughs> wow! The end of part one. That's Jesus. part one. I do not suggest we go on to part two because it no. gets really bad and really raunchy. Yeah. But no, I, because okay. just- you want to read? the last line okay of part two okay uh bullock headed out to the false dawn a new day he thought i get a couple hours sleep i think i'll ask marth where she'd like a flower garden and put in something pretty (laughs) what (laughs) so eventually this 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 because he does help him oh wow and then there's a whole epilogue about jack and al talking about how basically jack did that to al oh my god Uh uh-huh that's what we were thinking when we heard fan fiction. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that's what you wanted. We we didn't have had to. We didn't have to waste the time with the zombie one when we could have just been reading. No, this no, one. the zombie one was awesome. That was great. <laughs> that's the scary fan fiction. That's what's out there. Anything you can think of, somebody has a slash fiction and and horribleness. But the really funny thing is, okay, so this is the thing that I find funny. How many of those details are so accurate? <laughs> Oh my god. Sorry, I'm reading part two. Oh my god, I can't unsee this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Your reactions are priceless. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the detail in this is insane. It is. It is. Yeah. And, and they have like all the Deadwood details perfect. Yeah. Right, like how his nickname was Sloth when he was a kid. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. That's, that's, yeah. That's All it. Right. We're done. That's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. You've sullied yourselves. Yeah, I feel dirty now. <laughs> Carol's like, thank God I'm on mute. <laughs> I think we killed her. Oh, man. Loser. Is Carol still there? Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> you still alive? Are you crying? There were tears. I'm not going to say they were crying, necessarily. (laughs) She's just like, it was beautiful. (laughs) Work of art. A masterpiece. (laughs) I was glad I was on mute. I must admit, I was really glad I was on mute. (laughs) I can imagine going, all right, Carol, your turn to read. Nope. Who is the author of this two-part odyssey? Does it Uh, say? I think it's just 
DW slash. It doesn't have like a, a a name. I think all of the stuff on this live journal is DW. Oh no, I'm sorry. Here it is. Fragrant Woods. <laughs> oh, come on. Is that mm-hmm. another perfume name? <laughs> Maybe. Um, and, uh, that, that the, that the perfume horror is, uh, it's a sour musk of old spunk and faint, very tang, <laughs> very faint tang. <laughs> Their blog, uh, does, um, is, is, uh, you have to say that you're over 18 to read their blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there is Deadwood fan fiction and BSG fan fiction on, on this, uh, on this blog of theirs, on their personal blog away from DW slash. So yeah, go Fragrant Woods. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Fragrant Woods. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to include the link to part two in, oh, the, yes. in the show notes. So anyone who wants to, oh, and they also do. Uh, sorry, Downton Abbey, Downton Abbey, yeah, Downton Abbey uh, fan fiction, and uh... oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy is right. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I don't read fan fiction, but one thing I I did enjoy the zombie one, and I realized that yeah. fan fiction that can absolutely have nothing to do with the actual series that's really far away from the series actually kind of intrigues me. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, complete it, crack stuff. My- yeah, my- yeah. The the slash stuff, any this you know the sexual stuff. It's like okay, yeah. It's, it's more funny than anything, usually. Yeah, yeah it, it sometimes, but a lot of times, I just find myself rolling my eyes, like, oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, for me, it's more like I can't believe that someone spent hours working on this. <laughs> Personally, anyways, well, and here's and the, but here's and the payoff adding, to their hard work. Yes, adding in dialogue that seems very fitting for the show, but completely just. Not what is happening in the show, you know? Yeah. Because Al is not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but uh, like Carol, I really do like when it's, you know, they cross over with another fandom or there's something just completely bizarre. Okay, so what would happen if zombies hit Deadwood? Um, things like that. Yeah. There's this I, one fan fiction I love, which it's uh, basically the Firefly crew celebrating Christmas. Oh, just kind of Christmas special. Yeah, oh, that sounds that sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate the fact that people are being creative and and people are you know putting themselves out there and all on that level. I absolutely you know have a lot of respect for people you know following their bliss mm-hmm. and you know and doing something that is creative, even if it's not you know my particular interest. But, uh, yeah, the stuff that's really kind of off to one side, like, you know, with the zombies and everything, I, I mm-hmm. found that kind of cool. I, I wouldn't mind seeing some more of things that are, you know, really uh, a little out there. Well, I wrote Millennium yep. fan fiction, but I wrote it in a script format. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. So basically you wrote a spec script. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, uh, nothing erotic about it, though. <laughs> I, I appreciate that because honestly, eroticism a lot of times can be just so incredibly self-indulgent, and that's that's the one thing that you know always kind of turns me off. It's like 
it has to be just so well done and 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 just hit like that very thin line to make it really work that uh hey if somebody can do it great but uh it's unusual to be able to to hit just the right tone Mm -hmm. well that's it then that's it (laughs) now that we've embarrassed ourselves (laughs) no debased this podcast and ourselves (laughs) <laughs> I, just want, I just want to thank you for uh asking me to go on mute that's all yeah <laughs> anything we can do to help right i appreciate it <laughs> oh my god I'm, I'm still reading parts part two. Oh god <laughs> yeah ay, 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 get ay. your face out of the gutter there come on ay, 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 ay. <laughs> I just like I just like the part where he grabs the pussy cream. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, anyways, I will not speak of it again, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never speak of this again. Yeah. Never speak of the pussy cream again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next month. I hope uh, for our first uh, recording of our new phase of our podcast, where we'll be talking about Philip Marlowe, Private Eye, and Maximum Security. Again, I will make those episodes available on the Facebook group. So go on to the group and read those. Oh, I sh- can I read? Um, we got a positive iTunes review for the podcast. Why don't I re- I'm going to read that right now. Do it. Up. Because, of course, you can go on to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And uh, this one is from Mechanical Misha. Informative and entertaining five stars. Just finished listening to every episode of this delightful podcast. It's been a real treat while I go through my second run of Deadwood. I don't have a Facebook account or else I join it too. Instead of just submitting, oh, instead of just subscribing to the podcast, because right now I just can't get enough of this group. Hope to hear everyone's thoughts when the movie gets made. And thanks for introducing me to new music at the end of each episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Mechanical yeah, Misha. Nice. Appreciate that. It's really nice. So whose parent was that? <laughs> sure, that wasn't mine. <laughs> it wasn't mine either. <laughs> anyway, thank you, whoever you are. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, as always, send feedback to hooplecast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, at hooplecast. Go to Facebook, search for hooplecast. And our website's hooplecast.com. Yep, that's it. Okay. Bye-bye, yep. everybody. Goodbye. I mean, fuck you! Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, don't fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that just takes a whole other enough. tone now. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More than enough. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and happy birthday, Mel. Oh, oh yes. Happy Mel Day. Oh, happy thanks birthday, Mel. Yeah, thanks. Reading this erotic fiction was our treat to you. It was our happy birthday to you. Oh, best present ever. (laughs) I will cherish it for the rest of my life. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) It must have started sometime back in middle school. My friends, they found this dangerous substance that they thought was cool. At first I was a good girl and said, no, I'll pass. But then one day they brought it into science class. Of mourning after Deathly Hallows end, so I caved and said I'll try it, and it gave me hope again. And so I'd read it during study hall, 
and on the bus ride home I'd read it on the school computers and I'd read it on my phone I read the more mature ones before I was that mature cause although I didn't watch it I sure read a lot of porn my name is Nancy Kepner and I have an addiction I can't go a day without reading fanfiction have you ever watched a show no other When you realized that the ship that you'd shipped so hard was not big enough to have many fakes. If you have over five tabs open on your phone right now of different fanfics, then you know what I'm talking about. If you read it during study hall or on the bus ride home, if you read it during lunch break when you think that you're alone, if you read it during meetings when your boss looks away, just tell me how many. of spells gone wrong and gender-bent AUs of ships I'd never thought I'd read but now seek out and choose crossover de-aging figs role reversals back in time one character's a mermaid and the other one is going blind it's kind of sad to think about before it had me hooked yeah before I read fanfiction I spent my time reading books my name is Nancy Kepler and I have an addiction I Without reading fanfiction I'm not sure what your name is But you might have an addiction How long can you go Without reading fanfiction My name is Nancy Kepler And I have an addiction I cannot go an hour Without cannot go ten minutes Without cannot go a day Without reading fanfiction <laughs>